Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast. It is a day in September. The 24th of September. The 24th of September. (laughs) 24 of these goddamn days have happened. (laughs) There's going to be six more. (laughs) That's that's life. That's just how punishing life is. Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast. Today is a very special Vergecast. Many things are going to happen on the show. Uh, So, here's the first thing I'm going to say. I am joined by the cast of Verge Science, uh, which is awesome. So our science editor, Liz Lopato, is in from Oakland. She's in New York visiting us. Uh, Lauren Grush is here. She's always in New York, but now she's here in the, in the chair. <laughs> she's, she's on, in, she's on the eighth floor great. instead of the ninth floor. I, no, I took an elevator ride. I'm blowing it. That's what's <laughs> happening. And then this I, didn't, this I did not know. Ariel Dehame Ross is in the hype seat. Mm-hmm. Hello. And I was like, man, should we, I'm had, we're having a science show. Why don't we all on the table? And Liz was like, it's actually Ariel's dream to be in the hype. Oh, seat. I'm so hype. <laughs> I'm so hype. So that I think is very exciting. Um, so it's going to be a science cast. Um, it's actually Liz has been at The Verge for a year now. It's true. Whee! She has built an incredible science program. We're going to talk about why we're covering science and all the science stuff that's happening. Um, and you might be wondering, because this was iPhone review week, why we are not talking about the iPhone on the Vergecast. Um, and there's a very special reason for that, which I'm announcing now to the live viewer. But then many tens of thousands of people will hear this in their cars and on the subway, and you'll be able to take action on what I'm about to say. The suspense. I know, it's crazy suspense. We have a new podcast. The Verge has a new podcast. It is called Control-Walt-Delete. It stars Walt Mossberg. Yes. The first episode was taped uh, this week. It is. Uh, it would have be. It would be up right now concurrently uh, with us, but iTunes is a little glitchy for us right now. So, Control Walt Delete is up. It is me and Walt. We're going to talk for thirty minutes every week about his column, about technology, about all of the stuff Walt knows that nobody knows. Walt is full of incredible stories. I'm so excited about it. So, we did the first episode this week on the iPhone. Uh, and our iPhone reviews. If you are into that, you want to hear some tech nerds talk about some tech nerd stuff, uh, please listen to Control Alt Delete. You can go listen to it. It's in the iTunes store. Actually, the post just went up on the site. Um, and it is 40 minutes of me and Walt just getting deep on the iPhone. Can I just say that I'm so excited that that is the title <laughs> can of I get the a, podcast? Wait, yeah. Can I get a hype check on the title? So oh. out of this world, so hype. Uh, yeah. It Ariel, is crazy. just ace that hype. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to stick more to the Sam Sheffer version of the uh, hype. So, like, less numbers, more, like, random throw-out exclamations <laughs> of things. Sam was always a free-form hype checker. So free-form. It was, like, the, the jazz of hype check. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, in my mind, what, what's happening in the hype seat is sort of an open... You know, we're seeing... it's. It's a name and a chair that I made up to make fun of Sam. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> and, like, and now it's become like a thing. Like uh-huh. People are like into it. And so we've got to find somebody who can, who can embody it. So, Ariel, this is your... I mean, this could be this it. This is my tryout. This could be your career I'm, yeah, I'm, if you pull this I'm off. I'm trying out for the hot <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. See? Lauren's always Bird there. Science like. is like a cabal. <laughs> you can't crack it. We're like our support system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it works out. Um, okay. So we should talk about science. So Liz, uh, it's been a year. It has uh, been a year. I will say, uh, let me tell a little story about Elizabeth. Um, so a, about a year and a half ago, I took over as editor-in-chief of The Verge. Um, and Dieter and I, were, we had some open headcount. We were like, we need to hire. How are we going to grow the site? We need a fucking plan. 
basically. A plan. And we uh, spent some time crying in each other's arms <laughs> with no plan. Aww. That was, it was very tender. Uh, and then we're like, we need a, re- like our first hire has to be kick-ass, has to be a leader, has to help us shape this thing called The Verge and like explain why we're going to do this stuff. Uh, and literally, the, like the only person we, we called Liz. Like that's what happened. We're like, it was, like, we talked to Liz a long time ago when we were thinking about hiring a science editor. Um, and we're like, it's just Liz. So we called Liz. Liz conned us for more money. True. It's totally accurate story, <laughs> uh, which is great. As she should. Yeah. Um, as she absolutely should. <laughs> um, but now it's a year and a half later. Uh, it's a year for Liz. Um, and I think we have a really great and vibrant science program that has a lot of narrative and character and understands why it exists. So I, I just wanted to talk about like what you were, what you've been trying to do for the past year. Yeah. So um, I'm actually going to finally answer all of those. Why is this here? Uh, comments that some people have been very <laughs> graciously leaving on our articles. <laughs> Um, and the reason that uh, we care about science is because that's really where the future starts. Um, I was talking with Nilay uh, about one of the things that, that is like my biotech reporter PTSD. Um, I don't think that anything that hits the market is new. Like the stuff that I care about is five to ten years from being in a consumer's hands. And um, that's that's true in science. That's also true in tech. Um you know, there's a great story that Addie Robertson wrote a little while back uh, about a lab that tests out, you know, the um, new new VR tech. And they're mm-hmm. not really interested in, like, optimizing the user experience just so much as they want to see what the possibilities are and play with those. And then, like, let other people, like, make it beautiful and, like, make it ready for the market. And that lab is, like, right next to my heart. Like, that is exactly the kind of stuff that I care about is, like, what can we possibly do? And then, you know let somebody else figure out like what the way to sell that is or how to integrate that into society. But like, what are the possibilities that are open to us? And I really feel like, um, science is, is that kind of a thing for tech. And, um, the other, the other piece of it, of course, is that increasingly we're seeing a lot of Silicon Valley firms and a lot of sort of tech companies trying to get into science, trying to get into especially medicine. Mm -hmm. And I am so skeptical about it just because, um, you know, there's that credo, like, move fast and break things. Literally the opposite of first do no harm. And so we occasionally run across things where we'll see um, someone doing something that's meant to be uh, helpful for health, but that doesn't have the data to show that it actually is helpful. Right. And if you saw our CS coverage with Liz... She just blew these poor companies <laughs> apart. Like she was just walking around the CES unveiled show floor, being like, "I don't. Do you have any science?" And they're like, "I don't know. It counts you, and it just counts everything." And Liz would be like, "I don't. Do you science? <laughs> like, do you science? Were there were there studies? Did anybody like think about like you know what what might be important in terms of outcomes here? Like, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, but uh, it counts your steps." <laughs> and I remember I, I was I was standing next to Thomas Ricker like do I do I need to write about these things? <laughs> like are these are, should I be writing about this? And he was like obviously, you know, yeah. like I don't I don't know that people necessarily realize that these aren't real things because they sound real. They're using buzzwords, you know, that sound impressive. And um you know, if you don't necessarily get into the weeds on some of this stuff, you you could potentially think, "Oh, this is a real thing." Mm-hmm. Um and and so you know just to for example, yesterday on our site, oh a website, you a say. website on theverge.com. <laughs> hey, I like that. 
that's like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we actually. Uh, <laughs> this is what happens when you invite us on the podcast. This is our show. <laughs> Get ready. Um, but we had Ariel um, writing about an article that appeared in the British Medical Journal. And if you lo- read the article by itself, it mm-hmm. looked impressive. But very convincing. Very convincing. But. Um, if you dig into the data, you discovered several big mistakes. And I don't expect most people to dig into the data the way that we do. Um, but that's why we do it, because we want, we want to make sure that the people who are reading The Verge aren't being ill-served by people mm-hmm. who are marketing to them. Um, think of us as, like, ad blockers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're going there. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, ad blockers for bad ads. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to Ariel and let you, let her, yeah. you tell oh, yeah. us. Ariel, I mean, Ariel blew up the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, we got this, um, you know, the press release for an article that was going to appear in the British Medical Journal, and it was super convincing. Um, It stated that um, there were a number of issues with the U.S. Dietary um, Guidelines Advisory Committee. They issue a report. So you have, you know, those guidelines that you have in like high school, maybe they'll tell you about it. Like you should eat this much of meat, this much of rice. The food triangle. Um, Yeah. yeah, The the now now discounted This much of grains, this much of whatever. Right. The food pyramid. So that changes every five years. And the reason that it changes, all of that is based on evidence that is in the uh, report that this committee, the Dietary Guidelines Committee, puts out. And essentially, the article in the British Medical Journal was going after that report that was issued this year. The guidelines have yet to be issued. They will be later this year. Um, going after that report and saying that there were a number of issues with the science and that they didn't do proper analysis. Um, but the thing is, is that that article was full of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the way that they looked at, um, for instance, you know, they, they, fault the, um, they fault the committee for not including studies about diabetes um, and, you know, the, the kinds of diets that can be helpful for managing diabetes. But the thing is, is that the guidelines are not supposed to be used to manage any kind of illness. They're really, the only thing that they can do is that they can be used to prevent the, like to lower the risk of you developing a chronic illness like diabetes. But once you have diabetes, those studies, those guidelines aren't relevant anymore. Um, and which means that any studies that looked at a population that already had diabetes, not helpful. So those are the kinds of things that we found in the BMJ article. They said that um, meat had been deleted as a recommendation, which yeah. was are like not true. We like right. Ariel went into the report and found uh, yeah. the right. places where meat is included yeah, as part of a, a healthy diet. There's a sentence that says that lean meat can be a part of a healthy diet. So right. deleting meat, not a thing. They seem to harp on that part that it was like reduce red meat. Nobody, nowhere did it say get rid of meat entirely. Well, no, that's right. like a thing, right? So the it, like the woman who wrote the article, she's like an anti-carb, pro-fat, right? And like she all has a the. Book. All the tweets that have oh, yeah, been directed all. at me. Yeah, she's got a book about how you shoot more fat and red meat. Um, so I don't, if, I don't know if the listener knows this, but when I, whenever anyone is mad at The Verge, they, like, tattle <laughs> to me. And then if I don't respond, they'll, like, tattle to, like, Jim Bankoff, or CEO. And Jim's always like, people are tweeting me, like, what did you do? <laughs> um, uh, so I, I got a lot of tattly tweets today that were like, you people don't understand how eating low carbs and red meat will save your life. Right. And it's like, maybe. The caveman diet or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, totally. So it feels like, but like the CrossFit paleo thing, it's like, it's deep. Like, right. It's deep in our culture. And see, the thing is that I like, I have actually no problem with that idea or that belief. I think that, you know, the science will tell us. Um, but that's like neither here nor there. The problem is that this investigation that the BMJ put out was really bad. 
um, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's like a, I've noticed, um, like Lauren got in trouble, right? Like on our first day, Lauren was like, what if I piss everybody off? Um, <laughs> this is the other recurring theme yeah, yeah. at the Syed section. Uh, well, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing that I think is really interesting about the verge and its audience and how we cover things and how you guys have chosen to cover science, which is, um, there's a lot of, I don't want to, uh, I'm like trying to find a word. There's a lot of reverence for science. Uh, and that reverence occasionally crosses into like raw hero worship. Um, and I've just noticed the three of you, like you don't have any patience for that shit, um, <laughs> which is great. And I think it's really interesting. Um, but it also leads you guys to say like, we're, there's going to be good science and there's gonna be bad science. And then in Lauren's case, like there's going to be a set of real expectations about what we should be accomplishing in a set of like distorted, you know, like faith well, right? and I mean, like what science can accomplish. Well, with science, there's always talking points. They're the same talking points and it, and things to get very political. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Liz made a good point when I came on, she was like, we're not cheerleaders here. Like we're here to kind of wade through all of that and present to you what, what is being done correctly and what's mm -hmm. not being done correctly. So that's kind of how I think we approach things. It's, we don't just take things at face value. And I think it's easy to do that because a lot of people are really into science these days, which is great. But at the same time, you know, being invested in science doesn't necessarily mean just championing everything that you right. hear. So or, or, and I, this actually one Ariel has brought up repeatedly as we cover tech, like science lends a veneer of legitimacy to all kinds of technology where yeah. you need to do more work. And the one that, uh, right when the Apple watch came out and Apple started tracking health, Ariel was like, well, you don't track 50% of the population that menstruates. And also like people with eating disorders, like don't need everything in their lives quantified all the time by default. <laughs> right. Um, can you talk through that? Cause that was really interesting to me. Like, yeah, well, I mean, what's interesting about stuff like the Apple watch is you can turn off health tracking. Like you can turn off like calorie counting and everything, but it's really difficult to do that. And you have to really find, you have to dig down deep into the settings. I think it took Neilai and I like a <laughs> week and a half to figure out yeah. how to do it. Um, and, you know, those are things that if you're going to turn those things on automatically, you, which might be fine for the majority of the population, but for some people, those things are going to be really triggering and it's really hard to get away from them. And everybody's mm -hmm. wearing fitness trackers now and everybody's doing all these things. So if you have an eating disorder um, and, you know, and you have an app on your phone that you can't delete, like the health app on the iPhone, um, it's going to be really hard to avoid that, that trigger that tells you, oh, you should be checking this. Oh, you should turn it on. Like, it doesn't matter that you can turn it off. The app is still there and it's staring at you in the face every time you open your device. Right. And that is a real problem. Well, it's a real, I mean, what I actually, I want you to talk about this part too, because it's um, the notion that we should quantify everything and mm -hmm. that will lead to better outcomes is like very interesting. And like just raw <laughs> counting seems like, because uh, that's a big moment, right? Like yeah. We cover the hell out of fitness trackers. Like mm -hmm. they're everywhere. So here's the thing, right? Like we don't have data that shows that counting this stuff changes anybody's health outcomes. Like we have, we have does, lots, there's lots of anecdotes. There. Right. There are plenty of anecdotes, but no actual data. And as everybody uh, knows, the plural of anecdote oh is not, in fact, data. As everyone knows. <laughs> as everyone knows. <laughs> like that's a real slash dot gold mine that you just pulled into. But so, you know, um, this is this is something that like... I, I deal with a lot in the Bay Area because that's very hot out there. And I was was uh, once out with cof at coffee with someone who's wearing like no fewer than like mm -hmm. four of these tracks. Does this person work here? <laughs> no. What's her name? Lauren Good. <laughs> um, and he um, was talking to me. He's like, oh, do you have trouble sleeping? And I was like, 
no, I don't. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't have, I, I get tired right. and go to bed. Um, but I feel like um, for some people, this can really add a lot more anxiety, which can be really counterproductive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were the person wearing four fitness trackers and trying to optimize everything, that's actually not going to reduce your stress levels or make it easier for you to sleep because you have this thing that you now have to monitor and, and pay attention to right. and, and think about. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I want to see outcomes. I want to see data. I want to see that, like these things do what we think they do or what, what they're being promoted as doing before we go ahead and say, yes, they're good. And right. actually it's like not enough to have a device that actually says what it's going to do. Like it also needs to like the behavior, the human behavior that, that goes into interacting with this device also needs to be shown. Like if, it, mm-hmm. if people don't actually use them, then what's the point? Right. I'm wearing right now a dead <laughs> Apple watch. <laughs> I've been wearing a dead Apple watch for two weeks. Not one person has noticed at all. Like, it's just been like a random... Why are you wearing a yeah, dead Apple Watch? So it started, like, I was wearing it. Like, I got a new one with Watch West. So they gave me the phone um, and then to review. And they're like, and we wanted you to check out Watch West too. So we know I always wanted the black stainless steel. So, like, here's one with black stainless steel. You can check it out. Uh, and then I wore it for, like, a week uh, during the review period. And the battery died. And I just, like, woke up the next morning, didn't think about it, and put it on. And then it was dead. And I was like, I'm still, like, that's fine. And then I was like, wore it for like You're a day. You're fine with that? Because I don't you, re- See, I don't this it. is why I think the Apple Watch is problematic. Because if you are wearing a watch every single day and you are fine with the idea that it goes out, <laughs> it's probably because it doesn't tell time all the time and you actually don't check it for time. Well, no, my thing is like, uh, I, I hate wearing stuff when I use my computer because I'm afraid. Like, I don't want it to scratch. Oh yeah, you so do. I, always every time take I sit down, I take, yeah. I take everything off. Like it's, I think it's weird. Uh, my friends in college hated <laughs> sitting next to me in school because I would like sit down and be like sunglasses and watch and keys and like they'd be like, "Dude, you are a disaster!" Like you explode over every desk at this university. So I used to sit fairly close to Neilai, and I can attest that, that is the truth. Yeah. He just like he sits down and everything just comes off. Yeah, and you're like it. the man basically strips on <laughs> yeah. the blankets it's, on his yeah, computer. I, I, strips I, I, his I field strip myself. I'm like, I've got like a bullet chamber. I don't know that uh, magazine, a bullet chamber. Um, uh, yeah, no, I screw that everyday carry stuff, man. Like I've, if like if it's time for me to jam, I will not be prepared. Like, that's, like, basically just, it. I'm like, hold on. Oh, I've got to put all my stuff back on. My thing is that with the Apple Watch, I wouldn't get it because I just don't wear anything. Like, that, yeah, that's, I don't wear jewelry. I don't wear bracelets. Like, yeah. I hate having things on my arm. So if I already have a phone right. with a time on it, well, no, what it I, what, does most my, of the things that My point is that, like, this has just become, like, a hilarious social experiment in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just wearing this, like, dead thing on my wrist. And mm-hmm. literally until today, like, I have not told anyone. And no one has noticed. Like, I work in an office full of nerds. Because the Apple Watch's face is just black anyways. Yeah, of course nobody noticed. But no one's like, what time is it? No and they watch like... me pull out my phone. And no one's like, why aren't you checking your watch? <laughs> like, literally, no one cares. They're like, oh, yeah, you're just not Everyone's using that Everyone's been watch. like... <laughs> Neilai's although I will say nothing went on. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's uh, not. I, I guess it's four. Uh, the sun is in the sky. Um, the sun is in the sky. It's four o'clock. Um, yesterday, I was at the bar with Dieter and Chris, and we're all wearing Apple watches. And I was like, I gotta take this off. Like, I can't be you in this group. Awkward. Right? Like, awkward. like the three of us can't yeah. be seen together. <laughs> see, whenever I see somebody wearing a pebble, I get kind of excited and I want to say hi, but I don't. <laughs> This is my problem. That's it? Yeah. Can we get a season check? Hype check on the pebble? Hype check the pebble. Okay. So with the iPhone, not hype. Zero, not cool, negative. (laughs) 
<laughs> However, <laughs> that Dang. was that was definitely a freeform type check burn. <laughs> However, with this Note Five beauty that I have here yeah. that I'm very in love with, I think it's out of this world. It's awesome. It does most everything I wanted to do, and I think that you know the trade-off is the long battery life versus it being able to just like automatically pick a contact and be able to text them with your voice or whatever. Um, I think that's totally fine. Yeah. It works the way I want it to. I can use it to answer a text message in the shower and that is badass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are you a big phone person? Uh, what do you mean? Well, you've got a note. So, like, you, you've, I fully believe that all phones will be huge. Mm-hmm. And you're clearly on, on oh, my, yeah. my yeah. team, the winning I, team. So, I had the iPhone 6, not the yeah. 6 Plus for the last year. And I was sad the whole year. Yeah. Because you're like, because you knew. Sad. You yeah. And knew. everybody was telling me, like, it'd be too big. It'll never fit in your pockets when I'm wearing skinny jeans or whatever. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. The protruding phone thing is not a problem for me. I'm right. fine. Um, what about you, Liz? Uh, I'm a small phone person. Uh, I, I just, you <laughs> on know, the losing team. I, I, well, I mean, I also, like, in fairness... Enjoy and, these, the last moments of your, your small <laughs> well, phone existence. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, because, like, I, I have, like, an iPhone 4, maybe an iPhone 5. Mm-hmm. It's, like, you know, like a normal size <laughs> maybe phone. Maybe a 5. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. I've had this phone for, like, three years now. That's yeah. a 4. Um, the best iPhone. In my the best looking iPhone ever. Before. So so you know it's it's small it fits in my hand whereas the bigger phones don't like I need to hold it with both hands and that. Um, but that's that's that you got to grasp the future firmly. Well, I need so, to show you my PDF magic with this thing. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean like you know I, that's gonna salt my whole like I have like a um, I, iPhone games that um, you can play with just one hand so that when I'm on the Bart and holding on to something like I can just be like yeah this is cool yeah. you know whatever and like I'm not gonna be able to hold my phone in one hand and hold on to the the rail with truly the other. a first world problem. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Now I will read an advertisement. Wait, what about Lauren? What about you? I have no preference. I would what get. A, I guess I'd give a bigger one if I could, but I have the iPhone six. Yeah. Don't you have the plus? No, no you have the no, six. no, no. I have this. There's two versions of that one. Verge science. <laughs> hey now, do not lump me in with those nerds. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Yeah. No, I have the smaller version of the iPhone six, and it suits me fine. But if I had the option to get a bigger one, I would. Yeah. No, my wife is the same way. She's like, she bought the six, and she's like, yeah, that's the one everyone's buying, and then. Literally, she like holds my like the big phone, and she's like, "Well, I fucked this yeah. up." Yeah, <laughs> I would periodically ask Chris Ziegler to like take his plus and just like put it in my pocket and just play with it. Glasses like, should not cost sad. as much as an iPhone. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like we're just getting to to, we're getting the stories about holding other people's phones. I see what you did phone. there. Glasses should, however, you can have all the glasses you want because they should be cheap. <laughs> That is why Warby Parker is creating a new concept in eyewear, contemporary eyeglasses that are extremely affordable and fashion forward. This exclamation point is completely out of place. Um, should, is this <laughs> Papa, I, They believe in glasses <laughs> that should be viewed as a fashion accessory, just like a bag, a shoe, a necktie, or a hat. At $95, Warby Parker makes it easy to accessorize with glasses. On top of their great plight price, all glasses from Warby Parker include anti-reflective, anti-glare coating at no additional cost, and all the glasses include a hard case and a cleaning cloth. There are no additional items you will need to purchase, except additional glasses, because then you'll have so many of them. <laughs> Best of all, Warby Parker makes buying high-quality prescription glasses online easy, risk-free, and most of all, enjoyable. With the Home Try-On program, you can, there's so many exclamation points here that just seem randomly. With the Home Try-On program, you can order five pairs of glasses to be shipped directly to you for free. You can get, try all the frames on, get a feel for them, get feedback from others. 
because what you want to do in life is wander through the world wearing different pairs of glasses and saying, are these cool? These, these cool. And then other people will tell you. You get five pairs for five days. You mail them back to Warby Parker in a prepaid package. You just go to warbyparker.com slash vergecast. That's cool. You got a little, you got a little, you are a little. <laughs> get your, choose five pairs of glasses. Uh, try them on for free for five days and then pick ones you want. Send the ones you don't like back. Uh, and then order the ones you like. So visit that URL. That's warbyparker.com slash vergecast. You get free three-day shipping on your final frame choice. Your experience is completely risk-free. There's free shipping all around. And for every pair of glasses sold, someone in need will get a free pair of glasses. Oh. So you're basically a bad person if you're not buying glass, glasses from Warby Parker. So please, uh, <laughs> I beg of you, <laughs> desperately, <laughs> <laughs> go to warbyparker.com slash vergecast today. Get started on finding your new look and also uh, hopefully seeing more accurately, which is a key component of wearing sunglasses uh, or regular glasses or whatever. Just buy or some, sunglasses. Just buy some glasses at this, at this URL, which is warbyparker.com slash vergecast. <laughs> Uh, it's the only thing you can possibly do to 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 make yourself feel better about your, yourself about as a person. Your I, I, I just you know for try every- blocking that ad. You know? <laughs> I was threatening I was threatening Neilan for those of you who are uh, pro ad blocker with ad blocking him like <laughs> during the episode and just interrupting him as he was trying to read the ad throughout oh the exclamation points did yeah. that for him. Yeah, I know I didn't. There, I mean, I will say it's good copy, but it's really exciting. It's just why would you mix bullet points? And exclamation points. Is Can we get a hype check on exclamation points? Oh, I have an idea. I have a thought about this. It's Abysmal. Deep, I, I have a deep I thought about this. So I, I was too many exclamation too points. Many. People use them too much. Okay. The, the only the only correct number of exclamation points is three. Um, in any like you can what, use, in a text message. Like, give me context. Yeah. Here. So you can't use one. One is too sincere. In a, like in a regular piece of correspondence, like an IM or text or something, hmm. right? You use one. Oh, you mean in succession? You mean three yeah, in succession? Yeah, three in succession. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, uh, you use one, you're like, eh, it's a little too, like, uh, dude, like, calm down, right? Mm-hmm. Three you is use, a joke. You use two, you're like, you just, you can't choose. And then three is like the right level of. I disagree. Yeah, that's just where I'm at right and now. And I'm not, I use exclamation points more than I should. I just, like in an email, I hate it. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, you gotta be. I, uh, I actually read somewhere recently, like, why you should, like, lower the amount of times you use exclamation points. And they were like, <laughs> one of the arguments is like, what are you in kindergarten? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is, is I read uh, Corey Sika at, like, a formative period as a young writer. And, like, now I can't not use exclamation <laughs> marks. Like, it's just like... <laughs> Um, you know, cause I, part of it too is that it conveys tone, right? Like, you know, right. I, I'm so excited, period. Yeah. That's it. But that's, that, that's, that's like my affect. I mean, then you use an exclamation point. If you're excited, then oh you can God. use it. Okay. That's, there, are, there are rules. Speaking of things we're excited about, <laughs> space is on that list. He said awkwardly to transition <laughs> away from this conversation. <laughs> so Lauren. We're very professional today. Uh, have you ever heard this show? This is like, this is where we live. So let's talk about space. Lauren. Let's talk about it. Uh, there's breaking Pluto news, I was told, as I sat down. Yeah. Uh, we're also worried that the government shutdown is going to affect NASA. Uh, right. And then billionaires keep firing shit into space. It just keeps happening over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then failing to land them. <laughs> Didn't happen recently, but sure. Um, <laughs> uh, so first one. Okay, so Pluto. So we got yeah. some great... High resolution images from NASA right before we hopped on this podcast. Yeah. I was kind of racing to get them up before before we got in here. You um, can view them at theverge.com. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> 
Um, so the cool thing about this is uh, these are probably I think they're the the highest resolution ones we have yeah. from New Horizons, which was the probe that we sent there in July. Probe took what nine years to get there. Mm-hmm. Pluto is far. Um, and now it's like, it sent us a bunch of pictures back when it first was over there, but now like it's got to, it's got to download all of those. And it takes a while. Like I think from where new horizons is right now, it takes four and a half hours for information to get to earth. So after we got some really cool images in July, NASA kind of shut down new horizons as it was preparing to download the rest of the data. And now we're starting to get those those uh, images in. I think we got started getting them in September. And we're getting September. them at like dial-up speed, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very slow. So NASA has been like releasing just a, a little treat for us every week. <laughs> um, and with each new image, we learn something new. So like today, um, they had like a close-up view of the, if you've looked at pictures of Pluto, there's like a big heart region on it, which they've called Sputnik Planum. And... Um, they think that, you know, that area has, like, a bunch of methane ice in it. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's what some of these images are telling us. They, they, they kind of reveal little clues about, like, the composition of the dwarf planet and, like, you know, what, like, I think there's, like, crazy icy mountain ranges that they showed in one of the pictures today. There's an ice lake. Ice lakes. Uh, there's, like, glacial flow. Like, they think that... So, you glacial know, flow sounds like a soap. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Like you could tell sure. me there's glacial flow at like the CVS. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it smells really good. I think one of the cool things, as he said, was so on Earth we have like this um, this cycle for our water. We evaporate, it condenses in the air, and then it precipitates. Same thing happens on Pluto, but it's just in the form of I think nitrogen or methane. So mm. they have like these crazy cycles, just like on Earth. So it's like really fun. Each each new picture reveals some new science about the the. Dwarf planet. I almost called it a planet, and I don't oh, want to piss so you So you're you're really on one side of that debate because you know you pissed off all the other people. Dwarf planet. Dwarf, dwarf planet is like the worst compromise. It's like a yeah. It's just harder to say because you just want to say planet, but it's I I'm not of either. But then I Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to show up here and yeah, be like, you know right. what? I hate dreams. He's gonna he's gonna interrupt the Verge cast. It's gonna be like, and then like it's just gonna go blank. I have to say, like I'm a, I'm a Neil deGrasse Tyson fan. He's been on oh, he's some great. of our shows. He's like done a bunch of stuff with the Verge, and like the only mistake he consistently makes is like kind of being a jerk about Pluto. <laughs> and it's like why? Like I he's like, like, so tired of defending himself. You know, <laughs> like I watch. I was I went to the Natural History Museum when the Pluto flyby was happening, and he was there. And of course, everybody was like, <laughs> "So are we going to call it a planet now?" And he was like, "Guys, <laughs> like, I think, like he's just like so over that question." <laughs> Um, no, I just think it's funny that you can like you can you can always turn him like that's the one. You just like you walk up behind him like Pluto, and he's like that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like good. Uh, anyway, so uh, more dwarf planet news. I mean, what a like what a rhetorical compromise. Like you know, it is a planet. It's just a dwarf planet. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Um, I think I was done. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I don't care if we call it a planet or a dwarf planet. I I just think. It's an awesome yeah, that we're space out there. rock. Yeah. Space rock. That's, <laughs> That's what I like calling it. So things. let me ask you, so transitioning into the NASA thing. So mm-hmm. obviously, as always, Republicans are sh- threatening to shut down the government. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, this time is like unimportant. It's just it's a, re- a year. It's a regular yeah. 
no, it's like, you know, things happen. The sun rises, it sets, we shut down the government. Does this affect, like, New Horizons? Does it affect NASA? Like, what are the implications? So it it could very well. I don't know how if it'll affect New Horizons specifically, but it, it the basically what happens when the government shuts down is everyone deemed non-essential goes home. <laughs> so I'm I would assume, unfortunately, that New Horizons would be deemed uh, inessential right. and that people would not be coming into work to work on it. Maybe they might have uh, like a few core people. But the entire team, I don't think, would be would be right. doing science on it. Now, does that mean that we would like lose data that we would never get to analyze, or does that mean that it's just like put off? I mean, it's possible. I'm not sure. I would have to talk to people on the New Horizons team. I don't know if they've really thought about it because mm-hmm. we're not sure if it's going to happen yet. But I know that when, like, like last year or in 2013, like 17,000 more, like almost 18,000. Of the of the entire like eighteen eighteen thousand and two hundred fifty total employees went home yeah. during the shutdown. Wow! And yeah, it's not just you know NASA either. Like the big physics labs, like those those nuclear reactors, all of their reactors have to be shut down, and they take days to get back online. Like after the the government you know starts up again, like it's like it's weeks. Yeah, you know, before they can start going back, before physicists can start going back to their projects. Um, you know, it really interrupts. Uh, the ability that a lot of our scientists have to actually do stuff that could potentially be helpful for our knowledge <laughs> of the world. I don't know. Um, yeah. I would assume at NASA, the people that would stay would be related to the International Space Station because we have people up there right, right. now. So that would be the main focus and all the other projects would kind of fall by the wayside. Right. I just feel like I anthropomorphize like our robots. <laughs> <laughs> As one does. Yes. And I'm like, oh, poor New Horizons, just like desperately trying just to like send. trailing off. It's like I took another picture and they're like, we're not, sorry, dude. <laughs> not right like, now. I unfriended you. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that, because right now, like I said, we're in the middle of downlinking these photos. Mm-hmm. I would assume that that would halt. Really? Yeah. That's cra- That's just computers doing stuff, right? I mean, it, I don't want to say for sure, You're but right. it's, it, seems, it's it, seems it seems like something that would definitely get under the chopping block so anyway you know call your representative <laughs> tell them you don't call want the government to be shut down because science is cool well I, well it's so this is a thing that we talked about it's a thing that liz and i talked about at the very beginning and then uh lauren actually when she came in to interview like we talked a lot about private space companies um and how they're affecting sort of our relationship with nasa and just sort of how we think about innovation generally because you have elon musk who has an electric car company and is like everyone's hero because he's like doing spacex um, and then you have Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, but also shoots rockets into space. Yes, which is crazy. And it's he, like the thing to do when you found a t- you know a website is <laughs> to start your private space flight company. <laughs> so you know what, like Jim Bankoff newspaper. Is be doing. Oh man, I can't even, I can't even get him to like yes. buy first class plane tickets. Like if he starts well, that's shooting robots into space, I'll be real mad. He's saving up. He's saving yeah, up he's for saving rockets. <laughs> I mean, just like get me the PJ. Like I keep talking about Vox One, and he keeps looking at me like I'm crazy. Like if we had a Gulfstream, I would be podcasting from the Gulfstream like all the time. Like it would be parked at the airport, and I'd be like, "Whatever, I'm never leaving Gulfstream. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I live in this plane. I live here now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, so the private space company, and this is actually where you got in trouble because SpaceX keeps <laughs> trying to land its its rocket right. on a barge, which they keep saying is like this is the hardest thing you could possibly do, uh, and then like keep blowing it. Okay. I- 
if if I'm going to defend, do it. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go there. get in there. We're All going right. there. The only, so, and I'll, when you get too far, I'll just read this ad for for something. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Grush goes in. Uh, oh man. Oh god. Grush chain. And Grush chain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. Uh, an oft-repeated talking point, like I was saying, when shit goes wrong yeah. uh, with space is space is hard, which isn't incorrect, okay? Yeah. I, that's not the point I was making. It is extremely hard. Oh, I yeah. have parents who are rocket scientists. I would never, <laughs> never presume to say that it is a, an easy science. Right. However, saying that over and over again, in my opinion, I believe it. It, it kind of makes us uh, settle for mm-hmm. when things go wrong. So I made the point of let's stop saying space is hard when stuff blows up yeah. because we need to reach an area where or we need to reach, you know, this time where things don't go wrong normally. Right. Because right now about I think it's like one in 10 rockets fail. Right. Which that's great. But, you know, we put people on the moon in the 60s. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's no threshold I think we should be at right now. However, we should demand excellence of yeah. our space companies. Let's not give them the benefit of the doubt when things go wrong. Partic- I think particularly when they're private companies. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I th- that's like the weird new piece of this that I don't think existed before. Right. Like you had yeah. the private companies involved in spaceflight, but they were shielded by the government. To right. ex- kind of an extreme extent. Um, and now you have them being like, we're going to, like Elon Musk is like, I want to colonize the moon. Right. But first, space is hard. And like, <laughs> and that, that that's a disconnect. And like, you wouldn't, I don't know, like you, you don't expect him to say that about anything else he tries. Well, it's oh. like, it's also like, it's to me, it's like saying the sky is blue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is it's blue, so, so obvious. Like, yeah. Yeah. Space is hard. Of course, space is hard. It's remarkable that we get there at all. Like I've said this before. I think it's one of the most remarkable things we've done as a species. It's like the only thing that some other species hasn't done. Right. 100%. Like every time we've had a candidate thing that's like, oh, this is just humans. Like this is a uniquely human yeah. trait. Then like we do a little more science. And we're right. like, I find it somewhere else. Oh, look, uh, these other social animals do it, too. There are Dolphins who blog. (laughs) (laughs) Bloggingdolphins.com, my newest website. It's just me recording dolphin chatter (laughs) and being like, they're great. So personable. They're really. You know, like getting off the planet is something that is uniquely human, right? Right. Like deliberately like shooting ourselves into space and and making it a goal to to go see the rest of the solar system. That is something that that, that other animals don't do. Yeah. And I just think we move forward by taking what is hard and making it easy mm-hmm. you know like 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 uh air travel i mean that was a risky business <laughs> like a hundred years ago but now if a plane goes down that is an embarrassment yeah you know and i'm not saying we're at that level by any means but that's but that's everybody's like dream right like the dream is that we'll have space tourism and right. you, you can't really do that if like but one out of ten times you're gonna blow it people- I, I guess the point like for me the point that you're making is that like by saying space is hard, we are not anywhere closer to actually getting to the point where that we are with planes. We're, we're like coddling we're, ourselves yeah. by saying it's okay. We've only reached halfway, Yeah, you know, because it's hard. I want to say, no, we can do way better. And that's, that it was more of a love letter to our species than it was a criticism on SpaceX. I think it's cause yeah, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not going to say I can do better. I'm saying we as a species can do better. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the other piece of it too, right, is like Elon Musk has these um, almost groupies, I would call them. Yeah. Like you say, you say anything mildly critical of any of his projects and people come out of the woodwork. Yeah. I, it's like there's like a cult of personality almost, you know, like I um, a while back noted that, you know, some of the Tesla vehicles that have been promised were delayed and like his his stock had fallen, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, by the way, what you guys don't know about Liz is that she used to be a hardcore Bloomberg financial. Yeah. <laughs> um, Every once in a while, I, 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 I think I told you at CES, like um, my own personal Tyler Durden, like if I were to have like a split personality, like works on Goldman and is going to tank the economy because, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> that way. Um, and, I, and I say this with love in my heart, like true, deep affection. Liz is one of the most terrifying people I've ever met. <laughs> like, I'm just happy she's on my team, but I'm also, no I'm also afraid. Like every day I'm afraid. Anyway, carry, carry on. But so, um, you know, I, I feel like because there is this cult of personality and this resistance to recognize that, like, I think, you know, Elon Musk is kind of spreading himself pretty thin he's got his, his solar battery company right yeah well that's not his like that's okay i'm doing it but that's not him like that's somebody else does it and then like you, his brother does it and oh. he controls his brother from afar okay with lasers <laughs> with lasers from his lair where he's launching rockets and you know and then he's got tesla and like any one of those companies you know to say nothing of a hyperloop good lord um but any one of those companies in and of itself would be a full-time job. Like those are really ambitious things to be doing that would require all of your attention as an executive. And mm -hmm. so to be splitting it like that, like that really concerns me. It makes me feel like he's not serious. Right. And I we also forget just to throw in one more point is there are companies that have a re very reliable, well, I should say company, reliable, <laughs> uh, reliable <laughs> launch record, and that's the United Launch Alliance, which doesn't get, it's not as flashy as SpaceX. It's not as sexy. Not as sexy. It doesn't have a crazy, you know, billionaire running it. I mean, he's probably a billionaire. I don't know. But um, it's just, they they have a reliable rocket, the Atlas V. It has, I think it's gone up like 99% of the time. Maybe right. No, I, I don't think it's ever crashed, actually. But, there, but the United Launch Alliance is like, A, called the United Launch Alliance, right. which like definitely Not means boring. that they're also deploying missiles in space. Right. <laughs> like, zero question that like when the evil comes, like we will, be, will. we like, what will we be fighting? Like the ULA, like what does that stand for? Well, it used to stand for like, yeah. like now it's the U Uniform Laser Association, like whatever that, like it's just such a bad name. Like, I might I as well know. just call it Skynet. Um, <laughs> it's like every airline frequent flyer consortium has a name that, speaks to world domination like there it's the fucking star alliance <laughs> you're like that is an association of planets that's trying to destroy our planet right <laughs> like that's not a frequent flyer sharing program that's ridiculous anyway but so but they don't get any credit because they're they're the entrenched players fundamentally i mean they get credit but they don't they don't i don't think they have this cult of personality that liz was talking about like no one's gonna if if an Atlas V were to blow up tomorrow. I don't think people. And if I wrote an article saying like "Don't say space is hard" in yeah. response to that, I don't think I would have gotten a nearly as much crap about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's this is, and I have to make more money. But uh, <laughs> uh, this is the thing that we talked about at the top of the show, and again, Verge Science is always talking about, which is there's a, there's an amount of reverence 
that you give to scientists and, and people who can speak the language of science because it's like they're magicians or they're magic or they're wizards and they understand something you don't know. But the whole point is to like democratize that information. It's also that like loving science is kind of like loving science and critiquing science is is very intimately linked. Like that's how you make science better. And that's how I love science. Totally. Yep. Right. Okay. I love money. <laughs> so yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Go on. <laughs> yeah. That's all, that's all that's happening. Look, software b- delivers a cloud built for power. Uh, and if our cloud was better, uh, I would have loaded that PDF faster. Let's be clear. Your business, your applications, or computational workloads are unique. Deserve, you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific needs. For example, loading PDFs of your advertising. Google Docs. Uh, Software is one of the only cloud providers that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers, otherwise known as the public cloud, from a single seamless platform. Everything Software does is on demand. It's connected to the same open API. It's connected to the global private network. It allows you to scale your workloads up and down quickly and have ample space for your storage-intensive tasks. Software, as you may know if you've been listening to the show, like the dedicated listener that you are, is an IBM company. And I want you to think about that now on your commute. As you drive your car, you ride your train. What does that mean? In fact, Software, it powers IBM's Cloud Infrastructure Foundation. I'm really trying to sell Software right now. Uh, for all of its IBM Cloud products and services, I've been told I do a bad job of reading the ads, so I'm trying to like get into it. Um, <laughs> You're doing it, great? No, I'm not. But even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can benefit from software infrastructure when you need to ad block him. buy <laughs> IBM Cloud services. So all of our listeners have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. That's 500 bucks of, of stuff, of cloud stuff. You can order bare metal servers. You can get virtual servers. You can get storage. You can get networking and security services. A billionaire will launch a rocket for you. <laughs> Software has 24 data centers around the world, and all those servers and services are connected to Software's unique network of networks, which separates public, private, and management traffic, ensuring that traffic to and from your cloud infrastructure travels more efficiently. You can automate and control your cloud infrastructure with granular APIs or just you know, YOLO and use a Software customer portal. Visit softlayer.com slash podcast to get started with your $500 off of server, storage, network, and security on a cloud built for power from Softlayer. We got through it it together. I want to thank you all for being on the show. Didn't know we were going to make it. (laughs) This disaster show. (laughs) But that's the Verge. I think that's, 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 I will say this about the Vergecast. It it, it continually surprises me. When we have, um, so it's been a year for Liz. She's been on the show a couple of times. Um, When we have people on the show, Immediately, like our hardest core audience, like knows everybody. It's like the funniest <laughs> thing, uh, and I'm like, they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's it's such a great thing that you finally like hired Emily to cover entertainment. I'm like, she's been here for months. Like, we just finally had her on. The, <laughs> hey, on this the is show. my first Vergecast. So that- after, yeah, after like a year and a little bit over half a year and a half. Yeah, like people will know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> finally, it's gonna happen. Well, so hype. So hype. Oh, yeah, we've forgotten to hype check anything. Yeah, yeah. well, let's hype check the hype desk. No, no, let's no, Let's hype no, check no. Ariel. Can That's, I hype no. check myself? Because <laughs> I get flying everyone, colors. Everyone? Okay, one, the hype checker cannot hype check themselves. <laughs> Two, I, I firmly believe that hype checking the hype desk, like, takes us to, like... It, the, Does like, that meta like, level? No, no, no. Does hole. that remove the hype desk's power? Like, yeah. do you... 
take everything away. Right. The point of the hype task is to validate or devalidate other things. So if you mm-hmm. begin to validate the hype task, it loses its ability to do the validation that so thoroughly its power drives from. You've lost me. Yeah. So I'm just saying okay. don't do it. Okay. I'm like, I, I won't do okay, it. Okay. Well, Go. I have a different hype check then. All right. Okay. Go for uh, it. Super blood moon. What are our feelings on the super blood moon? Oh, yeah. Somebody should explain the super blood moon. All right. Well, let's start with Lauren because she published a story about it. (laughs) Okay. So Sunday, we'll actually have a pretty good view of a lunar eclipse. It's like the East Coast, at least, has a good view of it. Yeah. Um, I think you can still see it on the other coast, but... The best coast (laughs) is is the name of the other coast. Sure. Yeah. Um, Pacific time should be illegal. I'm just putting that there. <laughs> like we should just Agreed. abolish it. It is the worst. Anyway, blood moon. Um, okay, so the cool thing is we have a total lunar eclipse happening at the same time as we have a full supermoon. So let's explain what those are. <laughs> supermoon happens when... So, okay. Sorry, I'm terrible explaining things. The moon, the moon has an elliptical orbit around mm-hmm. Earth. So sometimes it's closer to Earth, sometimes it's far away. When supermoon happens when a full moon happens when the uh, moon is at its closest point to Earth. It's called perigee. So it's about 14% bigger. It looks 14% bigger, and it's like 30% brighter. This is also happening on the same time as a lunar eclipse. Lunar eclipses look blood red because um, the Earth is between the sun and the moon. And so the light from the sun is coming around the Earth, and it's refracting through our atmosphere and it filters out pretty much all of the colors except for red because mm-hmm. it has a shorter wavelength. So, like, the moon gets splattered with red, and <laughs> it, and at, at the same time, the moon's going to be super big. So it's yeah. going to be a big old bloody red moon. <laughs> Blood on the moon. Wow. Blood on the moon, my favorite Eagles record. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it starts, I think the moon starts going in a shadow at like 8, 11 PM Eastern yeah. time. And then, um, it starts to be totally red at like 10, 11 wow. and it'll last for an hour, a little over an hour. We should all go outside at the bar and stare at the moon. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and stare at the moon. That sounds like a plan. Look at that. Um, so I want to close. We've, we've got about 10 minutes left. I want to close. We haven't hype checked the, we haven't hype checked the, 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 the super, now that we've explained the super, super blood, blood moon. moon. Okay. Like, you guys ready? I feel like we hardcore sold the super blood moon. Like I'm not sure what we, okay. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, though. <laughs> oh, well. No, I've checked the Super Blood Man. No, I mean, I won't do it if you don't want me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she goes full Canadian here. <laughs> the politeness. I will, I will <laughs> say that so Ariel's Canadian, as you may have noticed. I Very am. polite, but then when we push her over, it's like... The Trini comes out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, um, yeah. Okay, so I'm... I'm hype checking it. Get it. Uh, I would say it's like a special kind of off-world cool. Okay. Ooh, yeah. So like we are. It. We're I mean, going technically. For f- yes, it is off-world. I, <laughs> that's why it works. <laughs> you know that feeling when you're like in the car and the brakes go out. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> uh, so I've only experienced this once in my life, and it was when I was four and I drove a car into a pond. <laughs> Wait, for real? Tell me oh, more. Yeah. A car? Like actually, this is like my. It's like my. Yeah. It's like a. This is such a stupid story. <laughs> I was four. My dad used to let me drive the car home down the street. This is like this is like millennials. Like I grew up in the eighties when like, it was like all bets are off. Like whatever. Like wear a seatbelt. I don't know. Like have a beer. You know. Like uh, so. My when we would turn the corner onto my street, my dad let me drive the car home. Like, from the time I was very small, mm-hmm. um, and he was like, "Okay, we got in the house. We parked the car. Uh, it was not our car. It was a loner." So reaching the pedals. 
Yeah. I would like sit in you the would sit on steer. His, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as I got bigger and bigger, I would start to actually <laughs> use the vehicle. Great. Um, uh, anyway, so he got home. And he's like, sit in the car. I'm going to like take these groceries in. It was not our car. It was a loaner. Our car was in the shop. It was like the the car dealer's loaner. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a stick shift. And I was like, I'm going to screw with the stick shift. And I got it in a neutral and it just rolled down the hill. The <laughs> um, and then, and I think this is when I truly became a fan of technology uh, and gadgets, a series of ever, the car got stuck in the muck of the pond and like an ever larger series of tow trucks kept arriving. <laughs> <laughs> like there was like the one tow truck that couldn't do it. And they're like, what about a bigger tow truck? Presumably by then it. you were out of the car. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was like a party. Like, it was like Wisconsin, you know, like, all the neighbors showed up. Beer in hand. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, I got the, the car beer the and some cheese. Like, it was, like, crazy. Uh, and my, my, my dad was, like, very fond of, like, how much trouble I got into as a kid, which was, like, not a good, right? Like, good, bad feedback loop. And he was just, like, laughing. He's like, ah, oh, my kid drove the car in the pond. Yeah, like, but, like, the neighbors, like, grilling and, like, For some reason, huge the story, everything makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but you know that feeling when the brakes, and you can't stop the car. That's this podcast, is what I'm saying. And soon we're all going to drink beer and grill and like the fire department will come. <laughs> and, and the entire gonna... tow truck community will be there. Uh, yeah. My dad was an ER doctor in Wisconsin. So he knew all the firemen. So I grew up thinking that firemen like perform services around the house. <laughs> cause like my dad would be like, uh, cause he knew he was like, Oh, we got to build a treehouse. Like I know firemen who like, are like want to like do handiwork. And he's like, a fireman's coming to build a treehouse. So I'd go to school and be like, Fireman built me a treehouse last week. What about you? And they're like, you're the coolest. I was like, I don't understand how anything works in the world. <laughs> Do you miss not being able to call firemen? No, that's what I'm saying. My sister and I grew up thinking that firemen like performed essential services. Right. So as, as we became adults, I'm like, oh man, like I need to like fix something in my home. Like you should call a fireman. My wife, my wife is like, that's not how it works. I had, a, I had a similar experience growing up in Texas or at least in Houston. Everybody's parents were engineers. Yeah. So at, there was like a point where I was like, oh, Pa- people's parents have other professions <laughs> than engineers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're a doctor? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, sir? Oh, no, I feel you on that, though, because like my, my dad is a psychology professor, and yeah. I very much grew up in the rat lab feeding the rats. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and so cool. like I'll, you know, every once in a while I'll mention that I was involved in childhood experiments, because I was. And people get very like nervous about no, this. Like, yeah, kinda, yeah. <laughs> wait, let's back that one up. <laughs> so it was there. So there's a preschool um, at Grinnell College, which is where my dad teaches, and um, they it's it's I think free to the community, um, and you can choose not to have your kids participate in the experiments if you want. Basically, it's like there's a developmental psych class, and they put you in a room with like a um, like that glass that that you can only see through one way, and um, they like do things like gee, what toy will this child play with if we put 10 toys in here or like the marshmallow test or whatever? Like just totally harmless stuff, right? Like, yeah. You know, like... For, for somebody who doesn't know what the marshmallow test is. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have this ongoing problem on the science desk where we're all nerds and we don't realize that like but we're talking for, past people. Right. Um, it's when you like put a marshmallow and then you time how long it takes for them to like... Not. So, kind of. Um, so what happens is uh, the setup is there's a marshmallow on a plate or a cookie on a plate. Um, famously a marshmallow, hence the name. Um, and you're told as like a five-year-old, if you can not eat this marshmallow, you'll get two when the mm. experimenter comes back. 
Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to sit there and like some kids can't do it. Like they just eat the marshmallow and they're like, well, Um, (laughs) but, you know, some kids do. Some kids can wait and get two marshmallows. And it actually turns out to be a pretty good predictor of adult success, believe it or not. I would have never waited. Zero. (laughs) Zero chance. I I honestly don't know if I would have. I would have waited. We should do this. Marshmallows are gross. We should do this with our staff. Let's just do it with Ben's kids. <laughs> right. I'm I'm often worried that we're expending we're experimenting on Ben. No, okay, I'm also worried about that. Actually. Like we do it a lot. We're like, here's a gadget. Like put it near your kids. <laughs> and Ben's like, great, what a good idea. Yeah, I love gadgets. And, and Dan's, and Dan's like, no. um, Ariel, can we hype check childhood experiments? Wow. Wow. As, okay, so <laughs> really, just like I'm going to disclose the a conflict zone? of interest. My <laughs> Liz is my boss. Well, yes. Well, there's that, but also my parents are also professors, not psychology professors, actually marketing professors, but professors nonetheless. So, um, yeah, no, academia and childhood, awesome. <laughs> right. Ten out of ten. All right, you have four minutes left, Liz, and then we got to do all the the wrap up stuff. Here's what I want you to talk about. Where you've got, you've, this is a year, mm-hmm. we've built out a great program. Where do you want to go the next year? I want to get, if it's possible, even vergier. Oh, that's yeah. my favorite. Um, so, you know, uh, we have, when I came in, I sort of had a plan about, you know, expanding into space, um, thinking about like, you know, doing rigorous analyses of some of the tech stuff that's coming towards us. Um, I want to do more of that. And I also want to sort of explain the world a little bit more to people because it turns out like a lot of the things that I think are obvious are in fact not obvious to everybody, mm-hmm. um, possibly because I have been writing about science for too long. So um, we're, we're going to think about ways, you know, to create cool science videos explaining how the world works, to uh, introduce you to really weird animals that we've already started to do that with the yeah. Verge Animal Review. Love it. The controversial Verge Animal That's not like <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things where like there are like, uh, I was really entertained. You know, we put up the first Verge Review of Cats, which I, I wrote. I went first. And uh, we had a couple of people like, oh, what is this? Have, has the Verge sunk this low that they now must put cats on the site? Jokes are not allowed. <laughs> and it's like, um, the, my favorite part, though, is that people responded like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we're like, oh, uh, yeah, man. Like, I don't know. Uh, man, you know, the Verge. I don't know what, what the Verge is doing. What, it, what are we doing? And, um, we can, don't I, know. can I tell the true story of the Genesis Fanable Reviews? Please, Which please amazing. do. So all we have all these section editors, like Liz is our science editor and Emily's our entertainment editor and Casey's our Silicon Valley. Like, we have a, sections, right? Um, and for a while, when we all, when all these people were like in their positions, we're like, okay, what's all the stuff we're going to make? Like we make TLDRs and we make reports and we make features and we make news and we make review in tech. We make reviews. So like that was a column on our grid. And Liz is like, the fuck is a science review? <laughs> She's like, what goes in this box? Like, can I just review animals? And I was like, you should review animals. Uh, and that was a hilarious joke that we were telling. And then we were trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do on the weekends? Like, we just need to have some fun on the weekends. And, like, animal reviews was, like, the number one answer we had. For we kept coming back. <laughs> so there, there we are. But, like, it was really funny. Like, everyone just, like, looked at that reviews box. Like, what, what goes in here for this? And we answered, in some places, like, very normal. Like, in tech, you But, like, what is a science review? We have some other answers that are not just, like, rodents it's true it's true but um you know and also like i i am a well-known cat lady um if you follow <laughs> like it's true it's just it's just i'm just gonna be real about it like to I, know liz I, is to know jeeves that's true my cat's <laughs> name is jeeves we put jeeves on our facebook channel we you you put jeeves on our facebook me, channel me and my friend him and some alcohol mark. me and my friend mark <laughs> He's a maker. <laughs> uh, I think I had posted some some photo to, of her to Twitter, um, 
she has an Instagram account. It's Jeeves Old Sport on Instagram if you want to follow. <laughs> um, she's beautiful. Um, but so I had posted a photo and Neil I was, how is this cat so cute? And then he was like, I'm putting it on Facebook. Yeah. It's the middle of the night. No one will notice. It did really well. Was it just a picture? Did was it do there, really like, well? It did super well. <laughs> like, you people, you think we're just thirsty for traffic, but I could get all the clicks. <laughs> like, all day long with just photos of that cat. It's, 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 she's adorable. I'm now on a mission to get my dog on Facebook. Well, buy me some We'll see. <laughs> okay. That is it. That has been our show. I would like to thank Verge Science for being with us today. Um, again, if you were looking for hardcore tech news on the Vergecast, um, I think we mildly provided that when Ariel talked about our Note 5 lovingly for 30 seconds, but uh, <laughs> that's where we are. Um, but like I said, we have a brand new podcast called Control-Alt-Delete, which is now up on the site. It's on iTunes. Um, you can search for it. It's 40 minutes of me and Walt talking about the iPhone. That should satiate you, you monsters. Um, <laughs> Okay, so please, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow The Verge. We're at Verge on Twitter. We're The Real Verge on Snapchat. Uh, we're, we're on Instagram. I will say we just hit 50,000 followers on Snapchat. We just hit a million followers on Twitter. Verge, I'm, fingers crossed. At Verge Science is also doing oh, very well. Yeah, Verge Science. At Verge Science also doing very well on Twitter. Um, fingers crossed. I think we're going to have our biggest month ever as a website, uh, brand, media, portfolio uh, this month in September. So we're... Blowing up, partially thanks to the efforts of Verge Science, but also thanks to Verge Entertainment, Verge Cars, all these places are growing. So follow us everywhere. Uh, hit us on iTunes. Um, I would love to know. Give us five stars, and then you can say like how you'd like the science section to expand. That's always my favorite. That's One other thing. I'm going to just plug uh, Emily and I, uh, Emily that and Yoshida. That was literally next on my list. But oh. you can, you're here. <laughs> I want to, so you, you know. You're here, so you can do it. Um, Emily Yoshida and I, uh, she's our entertainment editor, as you've heard. Um, we do a science and entertainment podcast together. It's for GSP. It's the only ESP that's real. And, uh, you know, we do something every, uh, every two weeks. And we have uh, had a number of very cool guests, and we have mm -hmm. some really cool stuff coming coming up yeah. so it's gonna be exciting yeah uh and then chris plant who you may also know on our website has what's tech which you can listen to um and you can go all, get all of it by going to itunes.com verge it's all on the website uh you can also go to youtube.com the vergecast has its own youtube channel now so just search for the vergecast you can us on youtube uh, and you can follow us on twitter i'm at reckless liz i'm at ms lopato ms lopato i'm at ariel d ross i'm at lauren gresh l-o-r-e-n <laughs> so complicated oh, uh, and that was it that was our show uh, I want to thank Braintree for sponsoring today's episode of the Vergecast Braintree gives you a full stack payment solution so you can pay us for this because we're you know, blocking the fucking ads so support all payment types your customers might want start accepting Android Pay Apple Pay PayPal Bitcoin Venmo credit cards whatever's next all with a single integration across all the platforms that are possible in human existence with superior fraud protection customer service fast payouts please check it out for yourself visit braintreepayments.com slash vergecast awesome thanks bye